So Proverbs and Wisdom Psalms teach us how to live with the grain of God's creation. Job and Ecclesiastes teach us how to work through situations that are against the grain of God's creative order. And of course, Song of Solomon's just talks about the passion of marriage, and that's a whole other topic that we won't get into today. So I know, I know, I'm wanting to preach on it one day, but haven't got there yet. <laughs> um, so the position is that we should live according to the principles and proverbs and the wisdom psalms, but there will be occasions in our lives where it doesn't seem like those principles are working out. In those situations, our role is to have faith in the eternal character of God, knowing that he is working all things for the good of those who love him. The wisdom psalms intentionally push the refresh button on the truth that God is good, his ways are best, and that obedience to him is the best way to live in the context of eternity. They provide a contrast to the lament psalms that Pastor Phil spoke about a couple of weeks ago. As you recall, the lament psalms are about us pouring our hearts out to God in times of disorientation and reorientating ourselves back to him. The wisdom psalms are the other side of the coin. The wisdom psalms are a reminder of the truth of God's eternal character and the original purpose of his world. The lament psalms and the wisdom psalms are meant to work together. The lament psalms give us the emotional tools to live in a fallen world, and the wisdom psalms point us to a greater reality beyond our present experience. So, let's have a look at Psalm 37 in a bit more detail. It was authored by King David in his later years, and has the dual themes of the struggle of seeing the evil prosper, but also giving a picture of God's justice reigning in the world. Tim Keller, in his devotional on the Psalms, brings out the following points that Psalm 37 makes. The first is that we should neither repress nor vent our frustrations, but redirect them to God. Do the good you can do. David reminds us, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Trust in the Lord and do good. Our focus always needs to be, always needs to remain on God and on the good we can do in a particular situation. Two, the meek will inherit the earth. Verse 11 states, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. This is the verse that Jesus picks up on when he says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the, are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now we discussed this verse in more detail in our Sermon on the, on the Mount series that we did earlier this year. But it reminds us that those who are gentle and humble and follow the ways of God will in the end be rewarded. The pros three, the prosperity of evil fades quickly. One of the recurring themes of wisdom literature is that you cannot consistently go against the will of God without there being consequences in the long term. Whatever prosper prosperity you see in evil at the moment will surely burn itself out in a matter of time. Four, the faithful are generous. 
Another recurring theme of wisdom literature is that the righteous are generous. This is because they realize that the good things in life come from God and it is therefore important that they share those good things with those around them. This is in contrast to people who believe that they have obtained their achievements by their own skill and endeavor, often exploiting others to get ahead. Five, we are to live a life of justice. Connected with generosity is the idea of living a life of justice. If our neighbors are created in the image of God, then they have a claim on us for us to treat them justly. Those people who honor God in their lives will also honor his image bearers. Finally, we need to live for the future which awaits. Finally, we are to maintain an eternal perspective on evil and God's justice in the world. Tim Keller actually passed away from pancreatic cancer a few weeks ago, but before he died, he was sharing about how he and his wife Kathy were dealing with his impending death. He made the point that if Jesus had actually died on the cross and had been resurrected, and after Easter Sunday had walked around on the earth and visited with his disciples, then that meant that whatever happened to him or to anybody else who followed Jesus, it was all going to be all right in the end. But we still need to live in the struggle of an unjust world. When I was preparing the sermon, I was really struggling with verse 25 of the psalm, which states, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsake, well, I'm not struggling with the old bit today, but you know, um, but I, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging bread. Now, one of the commentaries I read referred to the author of the psalm as the blind psalmist on the basis that he must have been blind if he had not yet seen examples of this level of injustice. However, further investigation leads us into a deeper understanding of the complexities of the wisdom psalms. Psalms 2 Samuel chapter 8 verse 15 gives us the following description of what the reign of King David was like in his early years as king. So David reigned over all Israel and did what was just and right for all his people. It was King David's responsibility to actually bring about the circumstances of verse 25. Psalm 72 sets out the, the duties of a righteous king, where it says, For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. So when things were functioning as they should be in Israel, the poor would not go hungry. Leviticus 19 um, verses 9 and 10 state, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So God had actually set up a system of ensuring that sort of there were ways and means for those that were poor 
to actually be able to better themselves. And that, and so the job of the king was to actually um, ensure that those systems were in place and functioning well. And that was one of the purposes of wisdom literature, was to actually educate the king in, how, in terms of how to rule in righteousness. Unfortunately, David wasn't a perfect king. And when we move on a couple of chapters from 2 Samuel 8, we see great moral failure and poor decision-making on behalf of David, both in, in relation to his kingdom and his family. However, in the chapter previous, in 2 Samuel 7, there was this amazing promise that God had given David. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for his father, and he will be my son. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This meant that the promises of justice contained in Psalm 37 will be fulfilled in the coming of the coming kingdom of David's son, who is Jesus. It is this kingdom that Jesus is referring to in the Lord's Prayer when he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've been praying that prayer um, quite a bit recently, just in terms of sort of actually kind of when, when faced with chaos and struggle, just keep coming back to that, that this is our job. It's our, it's our job to co-labor with God to bring about his kingdom. So Philippians chapter 2, verses um, 10 and 11, look forward to a time where the kingdom will be carried to its completion. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. At that time, God's justice will be perfectly present on the earth. Psalm 22, verses 26 to 28, describes what that will look like. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will down, bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. However, at this point in time, we live in the time between the inauguration of the kingdom of God, which happened when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead, and when it comes in its fullness. Theologians refer to this tension as the kingdom being being here, but not yet in its fullness. For those of you that are more comfortable with word pictures, it is like the sun rising in the early dawn. We see the light of the sun, but not yet in its fullness. So this gives rise to the question, how can we live in the tension that Psalm 37 represents, where the justice of God is not yet fully realized in a fallen world. So, the first step 
is actually recognise the reality of where we are living in God's redemptive plan. The first step is to actually accept the tension of living in the reality that God's kingdom is here, but not yet its fullness. This requires us to have faith that God is working out all things for his purpose and that we have a role to play in these purposes, including allowing God to redeem the hardships and the sufferings that we have suffered ourselves. As Psalm 37 verse 5 states, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. God has a plan and he is working it out. Secondly, don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed by the injustice in the world. Psalm 37 verse 8 states, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. One of the larger themes in our society today is a great stated desire for justice, whether that be economic justice, racial justice, or justice for some other oppressed group. We need to recognise that within that desire, there is a yearning in our society for the structure of the just world that God created. However, because our society is increasingly turning away from its Christian heritage, people have lost the understanding that the gospel teaches us about injustice. The two key messages that we have lost are, one, we all contribute to the injustice of society by our own personal sin, and secondly, that true justice can only be brought about through a recognition of the grace that God has offered us through the death of his son Jesus on the cross. When we see the price that God has paid to redeem his creation through the death of his only son, then we will not be overcome by the power of injustice in the world. Instead, as we accept the sacrifice of Jesus to restore us to proper relationship with God, God will create equip us to become co-laborers with him in his work to redeem creation. Which leads us on to the third point, which is focus on your own obedience to God's will and purpose. Helen and I were actually talking about this before the service, you know, that when you go through difficult times, the only thing you can really do is just continue to do what is right and good. And, and that will actually lead you out of the valley back into the light. Any other option just um, sends you deeper into the valley, unfortunately. So Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. And this provides the other answer to the challenge that verse 25 created for us when it states, Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. If you actually meet the needs of those people that God places in front of you, then you will never see the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread because you would have met their needs. Now, the thing is, you've got to remember that this verse was written um, prior to, um, you know, global media. And at that time, the only suffering that people would have seen was that suffering that was actually present in front of them that they could actually do something about. So that's 
something you need to bear in mind. Just you need to always be looking for sort of what is the need that God has placed in front of you at the time and how can you meet that need. Um, Galatians 6.10 reminds us of this responsibility where it states, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Fourthly, we need to share our questions and concerns with people that we trust. We must not forget that there is an emotional cost to us of seeing injustice in the world. The work of confronting injustice and working to redeem God's creation in partnership with him is hard work and will take something out of you. Confronting your own sin also is a, is a difficult um, journey and is, and is hard work. The answer to this is contained in the very structure of Psalm 37, which is in the, which is in the form of one person talking to another and declaring God's truth to them. Do not fret because of those that do evil or be envious of those who are wrong. The question of why does God allow such evil in the world is probably the hardest question to answer from an emotional point of view as we live out the Christian faith. We need people around us to share our burdens and encourage us through these difficult times and to remind us of the truth of God's words and its wisdom and to offer us practical encouragement. Fifthly, allow God to speak to your questions and concerns. We also need to remember the wisdom of the Lament Psalms. Psalm 37 verse 7 reminds us, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Jesus tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14 verse 6. Because of this, we can always bring our doubts and our fears and our concerns to him. There is no forbidden question with Jesus. And as we wait upon him, we can be confident that he will provide us an answer, even if it's not the answer that we expect. Finally, we need to maintain an eternal perspective. The final thing that Psalm 37 instructs us to do is maintain such a perspective. It says, Consider the blameless, observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. God works in time frames beyond human lifespans. And as Martin Luther King said, the arc of the universe bends towards justice. We can face the injustice of the world knowing that God is working all things for the good of those that love him and that there will be a time when he restores the world to its original created state. As we focus on that eternal hope, it gives us strength to face what the day places in front of us.